You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord for today. Today is a day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that your joy shall be full in the name of Jesus. I say in the name of Jesus your joy shall not be cut short in the name of Jesus. Every aspiration of goodness that you have sustained from January to this moment but is yet to materialize. I pray in the name of Jesus that he shall see the light of day in the name of Jesus Christ. Every hope that you have been carrying, your hands are tired and weary by reason of sustained weight that has not come to fruition. I pray in the name of Jesus that such hope shall materialize in the name of Jesus Christ. As you have given your heart out in praise and worship this morning in adoration to the Most High God, may celebration follow for you in the name of Jesus. May the Lord open for you new doors, new doors of greatness, new doors of progress in the name of Jesus Christ. May your name be transformed May you have a new name in the name of Jesus Christ. May you be called blessed, Beulah, in the name of Jesus Christ. May your life be decorated with the glory and the goodness of the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. It's your season of greatness. You shall do exploits in the name of Jesus Christ. You are blessed in the morning. You are blessed at noon. You are blessed in the evening. You are blessed at night. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. Everything concerning you is blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Because you've come together with God's children, I pray that that which surrounds the presence of the Lord, even the fullness of joy, may that be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. From the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, may goodness locate you in the name of Jesus. May you have answers to your prayers. In the name of Jesus Christ, I summon goodness from the corners of the earth for your sake this morning. May they locate you in the name of Jesus Christ. May you hear congratulations this year. May you hear congratulations in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know how it will happen. May you hear congratulations in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Once more rejoice and put your hands together for Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Concerning you, heaven has said to tell you that it is not over. And we are not going to be tired of telling you that all through this month, it is not over. Today may be the 23rd of October, but it is not over because God is not done with you. We have started a series together this month about the power and the grace of God. We have been able to address certain areas of um, this same series different topics have been taken, all speaking to the same theme, it is not over. And so today is not different, we continue along the same direction, that it is not over. Today's topic is specially for you, it's called Divine Waver, Divine Waver. You know, uh, I, I work in, in a circle that uses all those legal jargons and, you know, when we talk of waver, we, we talk about 
you deciding to abandon, relinquish, or forfeit your right, your right under an agreement, under a contract, that is by right you should be able to do this and that. Or there is a policy, there is an agreement, there is an understanding that if so, so, so should happen, then party A should be able to implement so, so, so thing. But party A decides, even though it has happened, I choose to let it go. I choose to allow a different outcome. So there are instances in scriptures where people had a right to think that it is over for them. Why? Because there is a standing rule. There is a policy. There is an agreement. There is an understanding. There is a natural law. There is an expected behavior. There is cause and effect. Something that works on a mechanism that is on autopilot. It has happened. So something else should happen. Then somehow God intervenes and it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. It's all over our scriptures. It's all over our lives too. And we have seen people in contemporary times that by rights, by the normal laws of nature, some things are not supposed to happen anymore. They are past the time that they should give birth. They have stopped menstruating. They have reached menopause. So normally there is a rule in the biological realm that says when so-so-so has happened, you should rightfully not expect to have a child after so-so-so period because you have reached menopause. But when there is a divine waiver, as we have seen all through scriptures, God will just come and say, I suspend it. For your case, we make an exception. Not that this rule has stopped working, but for your case, we make an exception so that you can go ahead and bring to bear that which you have given up on, saying it cannot happen, saying it is over. For you to know that God is not done. We see example of Sarah, we see example of Elizabeth, we see different examples in the scriptures. God is still doing it. It's not only for those in the scriptures, even for us today, today, God is still in the business of granting waivers. Hallelujah. I don't know your case, I don't know where you are, and to be honest, it does not matter. And that's the truth. You know, when we talk, we say, oh, these pastors have started. They always say it doesn't matter. The truth is that it doesn't matter when God is involved. It does not matter the situation. Whether they put you there, or you put yourself there, or something natural put you there. When God wants to make an exception, He does not need any permission from anyone. He's God. He's sovereign. That's why He's God. I pray for you. That case that is hopeless because there is a clear understanding that it should be hopeless. I pray that there will be divine intervention concerning it in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that for your sake, the gate will be opened again in the name of Jesus Christ. Those gates have been shut. You are at the door knocking and asking yourself if I had come here earlier. Maybe they would have allowed me to come in, but you have come late. You have come late with your best effort. I pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. May that gate be opened again in Jesus' name. That is divine waiver. When divine waiver happens, something that you cannot explain happens. That's why it's called divine. Hallelujah. I will show you a few examples of people in scriptures today and hopefully you will be encouraged to know that it is not over. As long as God is involved, it is not over. He can grant a divine waiver to ensure that you still make progress in spite of a clearly hopeless situation. Let's start uh, from a very good example. 
example of our brother Daniel. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel chapter 6. Please let's read together. Please get your Bible, get your writing materials. I hope that you'll be blessed today as usual in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from the book of Daniel chapter 6. I read from verse 1. The Bible says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. That is, the king said, Oh, I am in government. I'm new in government. For those of us that don't really know what's happening here, if you had read Daniel chapter 5, you would have understood why Daniel chapter 6 is starting like this. It's the beginning of a new government. You know, Daniel was a very strong man. He served under like four kings in this same book of Daniel. So, this was a new king. His name was Darius. He had just become king. I, the story was that there was a king who was doing lao lao up and down, drinking wine with his girlfriends and his chiefs from the vessels taken from the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? So the Bible said while they were there drinking, the guy was boasting. Even He was so proud. He was praising the gods of Babylon <laughs> and comparing them to the God of heaven, the maker of heaven and earth. The Bible said immediately as he was there, his eye clear. Why did his eye clear? He said he saw a hand writing something on the wall. Nobody understood what was being written on the wall. Let alone anybody to interpret it or give him any counsel on what to do with what was being written. And somebody said, hmm, there is one in your kingdom. His name is Daniel, in whom there is the spirit of the gods and the spirit of excellence. He served in your father's kingdom. Can you call him? He will give you the interpretation. And of course, Daniel was called. Daniel came in. Daniel interpreted their dreams. The Bible says that night, Belshazzar was killed. He was killed that night. And guess who killed him and became king? Darius. Great. So this is how chapter 6 is now starting. So Darius was entering a new territory. And having spotted this uh, Daniel in a new kingdom alongside other leaders, so said, I'm going to form a new government. I'll get 120 guys who will be the, you know, the commissioners. Then above them, I'll find three governors. So these commissioners will be reporting to these three governors. The Bible says, and he intended to make Daniel one of the three governors. So senior leaders. He wanted to make Daniel a senior leader. Great. So that the government will run smoothly. Go to verse 3. Then the Bible now said, Then this Daniel, not another Daniel, this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thoughts to send him over the old realm. You see, people like Daniel, hmm? they are troublemakers. You know, it's like you being on campus or being in a company. Everybody is complaining, oh, this exam was very tough. And this guy goes ahead and scores 98. How do you deal with those kind of people? Daniel was one of those kind of people. New government, the guy has started performing. He had outperformed all his peers. The Bible says an excellent spirit was in him. He was better by far than all his mates. All the governors, all the satraps, he beat all of them. They said, a prisoner is coming. Everybody is complaining. What's your IPF? Blah, 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 blah. Then this Daniel keeps blasting. He has exceeded expectation in all the categories of the testing. 
So he was going to get the great excellence again. And everybody became jealous. They became jealous. What do we do against this, Daniel? So the Bible in verse 4 says, So the governors and such have sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Now was there any error or fault found in him? I love this. Lord God, I pray that you, you, you get us to that level. Where we as Christians will not be mediocre. We will be so excellent, they will not be able to find anything to use against you. Punctuality, on point. Productivity, on point. Quality of work, on point. Ethics, on point. Credibility, on point. Everything. Authenticity, on point. Leadership, on point. Teamwork, on point. Dressing, on point. Come on. They could not find anything. The Bible says, but they said we shall bring something against him concerning the law of his God. So verse 6. The Bible says, so these governors and satraps trumped before the king. Everybody carried themselves and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, the king Darius signed the written decree. No, these guys are just mean. How can you say everybody has agreed? Of course. You know, and that's the problem with, sorry to say, voting, democracy. Hmm? At least democracy as we know it. So they gathered themselves and said, Oh, all the leaders, all the satraps, governors, counselors, TAs, the PAs, the SDAs, you know, senior special advisors, everybody, gather together. We want to make a law that does not make sense. All the eyes, all in favor say aye. So the eyes had it. I'm sure Daniel must have spoken and said, This, this law is nonsense. You know, I won't be party to it. But he, of course, he was in a minority. So they came to the king and said, See, we have voted. Everybody is in alignment. At least that's the majority opinion. That we should make a law. Nobody should pray to any other king. For 30 days. Don't ask any god or any, anyone anything. Except you, King Darius. Because you are so special. And the king's ego too was, you know, tickled. Be careful. When people gather and everybody has agreed, please do your fact check. Check why they are forcing you to enter an agreement. The king did not check. He was not very smart. So the king said, well, if everybody has agreed, there's no problem. He signed. He didn't know that they were going to put him in trouble. The king signed. So a policy was in place. If anybody within the next 30 days should pray to anyone or anything except the king, King Darius, let that person be thrown into the den of lions. So policy was fair. Then, Daniel Bible says, Daniel, knowing what they are done, even Daniel said, this man is a very strong man. Said, Daniel, knowing what they are done, he carried himself. He opened windows. He said, I hope you guys can see me. Verse 11. Then the men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Somehow, I think Daniel knew that they were there. He just couldn't be bothered. So he kept praying. The spies were already there. When he starts praying, just blow the whistle. We will come and march him to the king. The Bible says, and they went before the king and spoke.
laws concerning the, the king's decree. Have you not signed the decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, Yes, the thing is true. According to the law of the means and passions, which was not that. Mm-hmm. So they answered and said to the king, hey, That Daniel, <laughs> who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show you due regard, mm, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. You know, when they wanted to finish Daniel, they didn't say that governor, they said that Daniel, that slave, <laughs> a captive from Judah, wicked word people. Wicked people said this man has flouted this policy. What do we do? You have signed a law that nobody can change. So what do we do? Bible says, when the king, I'm reading verse 14. When the king heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself. Say, ah, I fumbled. I have messed up and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till going down the sun from morning till evening. He said he was looking for what loophole can we look for in this provision? Is there any word, any language, any verbiage in this agreement that will give me a right as king to prevent Daniel from being thrown to the lions? He couldn't find. Then these men approached the king and said, Oga king, know, O king, that it is the law of the meat and passions, no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king had to give the command. His hands were tied. There are situations that you have entered in. That people put you in. Those that can help you, the human agents that can help you, their hands were tied. And I, I remember a couple of examples about my own life where I've been in this kind of situation. Where you have done what is right. You have been faithful to the Lord against a decree. A decree that is not in consonance with the will of God for your life. Against a position, against an opinion, against a decision that you know for sure is against God's will for your life. And you were hoping that somebody, your pastor, your boss, your brother, your father, your mother, your uncle, somebody will be able to stand in and defend you. But that person's hands becomes tied. This was exactly what happened in Daniel's case. The king loved Daniel. The king had seen Daniel's capabilities, potential in the kingdom, to be the senior governor among the three governors. The Bible said the king thought to set him above the entire realm. But it was not only the king thinking of what to do with Daniel. His enemies were thinking of what to do with Daniel. They wanted to get rid of him. And they made sure they had tied the king's hands. Some of us are there. Situations are dire. Nothing, no one can change anything. So the king said, okay, I'll let it go. You know, at that time, if I was Daniel, I would be, you know, praying, you know, God, let the king change his mind. Let him make another decree. Let him find a way. Let, let something just happen. Let it just be that I will just not be thrown into the den of lions. God, do something, anything. God didn't do anything. <laughs> Daniel was marched into the den of lions. You know, we we'll take the first step, hoping there will be one dramatic event happening. Something will happen. Something will happen. You know, in the case of his friends that were thrown into the fiery furnace a few chapters before, something happened. 
You know, he was hoping God would show up. After all, I was praying to God. I was doing the right thing. And now I'm in trouble. I'm on the wrong side of policy. God should show up. God did not show up. God left him. He marched all the way down to the den of lions. And they put him there. And they locked the place. And the king went back to his house. The king could not sleep. Of course, the king was traumatized. Nothing, nothing, nothing could have happened that the king could have done to save him. So the king was sad. Mourning is very special staff. Says, is this the end of this man? Of course, he couldn't sleep all, all through the night. But something else was going on. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Something else was going on. There was a natural process that should have finished Daniel. In case you don't understand, it was not the den of a lion. Mm -mm. It was a den of lions. So lions were kept there, hungry lions. And they put a man there. What else do we expect to happen? The natural law is that as the man was entering the place, he should be devoured. Too many lions to feed. Hungry, angry lions. There's a natural law that was in place. No need for prayer, no need for anything. As he was entering, they should just finish him off. It was then God intervened. God said, okay, I've let Darius to do what he would do. The satraps and governors have done what human beings do. They have put my chosen servants in a precarious situation. In fact, a hopeless situation. After putting him in there, there's nothing else we should expect from Daniel than dry bones after some weeks. God intervened. The Bible said concerning Daniel, if you go to chapter, chapter 6, and uh, from verse 20, yeah, the Bible says, and when he came to the den, that is the king, the following morning, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, 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 servant of the living God, as your God, whom you serve continually, being able to deliver you from the lions. Verse 21 is a beautiful verse. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. The Bible says, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Number one thing, the Bible says no injury was found on him. Not that the lions broke one leg or broke one hand before God intervened. God said, no, you will not be able to touch this man. I'm bringing a divine waiver in this matter. Lion, I know you are hungry. Your food is coming later. But this one, you cannot touch. I know that you are used to people being fed to you. They throw them in. Once they throw them in, you break their jaws, break their skulls, break their ribcage, and you devour them. But this one, you shall not touch. Touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. The Bible says he sent his agent and shot the lion's mouth. Divine waver. Divine waver. 
Somebody will say, maybe the lions were not hungry. Maybe they are eating too much. Maybe they were on diets. Maybe they don't eat Christians, whatever. <laughs> read on. If you read from verse 24, that the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Then their children, ah, king, eh, that's, that's mean. And their wives, wow. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. The lions were hungry. It's just that they have been given an instruction. You cannot touch this one. You cannot touch this one. The natural law is for lions to devour, praise, throw right into their dens. But this one, there is a divine waiver. I don't know which den you have been sent into. I don't know that situation. It might not be a physical den. I don't know that situation where you didn't put yourself. People put you there. But it's a clearly hopeless situation. Anybody that is on that list... They don't have any hope. If they transfer you to that division, you know that that's where you will rot. You can never get promoted in that place. Nobody ever gets promoted in that place. And they have just posted you there. Relax. It's not over. There is something called divine waiver. Divine waiver that can change the story from your head. It's possible. Oh, you are in that particular situation. You don't know how you got there. Or you got there because you did something right. Somebody is trying to victimize you. They put you on a particular list. Anybody that enters that list is under six months, they get fired. You have been put there. Relax, it's not over. There is something called divine waiver. And it shall speak for you in the name of Jesus Christ. It shall speak for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever that situation is, you didn't put yourself. They put you there. The wicked people of this world put you there. And on that list, there is no hope. In that situation, there is no hope. I pray in the name of Jesus. God who intervened for Daniel shall intervene for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yours may not be like Daniel's case. It might be something even more natural. Something you couldn't have controlled. Like the place where you were born. Like the calamity of life. You know, life happens. Things that happen to people. Things you didn't cause. It just happened. And it has put you in a place where it's reasonable to think that it's not going to work anymore. And that it's over. Because there is clearly a rule, a law, that forbids your kind. From having certain privileges. It's still not over. Our example for this is Ruth. I, I need to build a foundation so that you get what I'm trying to say. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. I'm going to read from verse 30. Genesis 19 from verse 30. I want to read this so that you understand who Ruth is, where Ruth is coming from, and why it is just a case of divine waiver for her to end up where she ended up. If you read from verse 30, the Bible says, Then Lot went up out of Zohar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zohar. 
And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he did not know when she lay down and when she arose. 34. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, lay with my father. I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Are you, the younger one, going in and lie with him? And we may preserve the lineage of our father. You know, this, this, is, this is one nonsense that is prevalent in our world. You want to do something wicked, but you try to make it look like you are doing the victim a favor. I'm sure you understand what's happening here. Two young daughters, ladies, they were going to rape their dad. So they were going to drug him, get him drunk, and rape him. And in their mind, we are doing him a favor. We want to make sure his, his surname is not destroyed. His lineage is not destroyed. So the Bible said they went in and did that. I go to 35. Then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when he arose. 36. Thus, both the daughters of Lot's were with child by their father. That is, they have become pregnant through that incestuous behavior. Then the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. Is the father of the Moabites to this day. So when Ruth was introduced in scriptures, if you go to the book of Ruth, the Bible says she was a girl, a woman from Moab. She was a Moabite. She was from Moab. So this is the generation of Moabites. This is the origin. This is how Moabites started. Moabites started from a very dirty, dirty, dirty foundation. Daughters raping their father and bringing a son through it. That son was the ancestor of the people of Ruth. I'm coming somewhere. Go to Judges. Judges chapter 11. Go to Judges chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 17. Alright. Bible says, Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please, let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner, they sent to the king of Moab, Moab, the line Moab, but he too would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab came to the east side of the land of Moab and encamped on one of the other side of Anon. Long story short, Israel was running away from Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea. They have come to the other side. They were just some uh, kilometers away from the promised land. But they needed to pass through the land of some of their relatives. Edom was their... If you remember, Edom is same thing as... Uh, Esau. So remember Esau and Jacob, right? So Israel, the children of Israel, wanted to pass through the land of the children of um, Edom. Edom being Esau, they refused. 
They said, okay, sorry, if our brother will not allow us, at least let's go through Lot. You remember who Lot was? Lot was the cousin of uh, Abraham. So maybe his own children, Moab, we allow us to pass. The Bible says even Moab said, no way, you can't pass. Moab went further than that. In fact, they did more evil. They did way, way, way more evil. If you go to uh, Numbers chapter 22, I don't have time to read Numbers 22. Because they did not allow them to pass, so Israel went to camp in one corner. Bible said, even with their camping, Moab, Moab, the place where Ruth came from, they were still angry and afraid. Said, we have to kill these people. We know that these people have a God that is strong. Small girl, big God, people. Let's just crush them now before they come and kill us. Bible said they went to hire a prophet to come and curse them. Balaam. They went to consult Balaam. Come and curse these people for me. We know how the story went. He couldn't curse them. And all that. Last, last, he gave them an advice that made God to kill 24,000 of his own people. He said, well, we have tried to curse these people. He like say, we can't curse them. So, King, I know you have paid me. I couldn't deliver the main job. But let me give you alternative service. I'll give you an advice. These guys, the reason I can't cause them is because their God is with them. See, you have all these fine, fine babes in your country, Moab. Send them inside the Israeli camp. The Israeli men, their high is always doing black, 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 black. Once they see these women, they will fall. That's exactly what happened. The Moabites went into the camp as long as, uh, as soon as they started seeing the Moab, Moabite women, all these Israeli men, they were sampling, sampling. As they were sampling, the Bible said God himself got angry. He went to the camp. There was a plague. 24,000 of Israelites were killed in one day. Thank God for finishing us and stopped the plague. So, Moabites have done Israelites many, many, many evil. Many evil. Many. So, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 23. 23. So, God was now saying, see, I don't want these people near my people anymore. If you start from verse 3, Bible says an Ammonite or Moabite. Ammon and Moab, they are the two children from that incestuous relationship. Ammonite and Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. I'm reading Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Listen, he said forever. Why is that so? He said, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. One. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Baal from the person of Mesopotamia to curse you. He said, for that reason, I don't ever want to see anyone from Moab or Ammon in Israel. I don't want to see them in the assembly of my people. Guess where Ruth is from? Moab. So she was coming from a place where there was a standing policy. It's a generation long policy. They didn't make it because of her. This policy had been made long, 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 long time ago before she was born. As if that was not enough. This was a woman who had suffered misfortune. She had married and she had lost her husband. She didn't kill the husband. The Bible did say she's a witch that killed the husband. No, she didn't do anything. She didn't make herself a Moabite. 
She was born there, like many of us. We didn't make ourselves <laughs> Nigerians. We were just born like that. And you know, sometimes it's not easy being a Nigerian. Let's be frank with ourselves. When you read what's going on in the newspaper, you watch news, you become depressed. You see things that make you sad. Like, why on earth was I born in this country? This woman was born in Moab. She didn't do anything wrong. There was a standing policy. Such a person should not enter the assembly of our people. And now, insult upon injury, this was a young widow. And she became a stranger in another land. She followed uh, Naomi to her home country in Israel. Against all hope. Everybody knew her story. That one, she's a foreigner. Not foreigner from anywhere. She's from Moab. Number two, this woman, we don't know. Maybe she has bad luck. Bad luck is following her. How will her husband die young? Maybe bad luck. Bad luck is not following her. Life happens sometimes. It's not your fault. Life happens. We won't all die one day. We're not all born one day. Life happens. So life had happened to her. And her story was everywhere. In that Israel. Please listen to me. She was not the only single woman in that Israel. In fact, she was someone that somebody will call second aunt. In that Israel. But God made a way for her to find husband. I don't know your case. I don't know where you are. I don't know what age you are. My sister, it does not matter. When God is ready to find for you what is yours, He will find it. It does not matter how many people are more qualified than you. When God wants to give you what He wants to give it, give to you, it does not matter. In fact, it does not matter what you have or you don't have. When God wants to give a divine waiver to bless your life, I am speaking from experience. I'm speaking from what I've read in scriptures. I'm speaking from what I've seen in other people's lives too. Including mine. When God wants to make a case for you, it does not matter what you don't have. It does not matter where you are from. It does not matter what has happened to you before. It does not matter what you are suffering. It does not matter the stigma in your life. It does not matter how many people have heard about your situation, your calamity, your disadvantage. It does not matter. God did not only give her a husband. God gave her the best available in the land. Brethren, go and read. <laughs> the man she married, Boaz, was not a poor man. God gave her the best of the best in the land. He was an entrepreneur. He had staff. He had feuds. He was a noble man. He was known in the community. He had the say. He was a negotiator. He was someone who was blessed of the Lord. When God wants to say to you, sister, listen to me. When God wants to say to you, it does not matter how long you have waited. It doesn't. It does not matter what calamity has befallen you in the past. It doesn't. It does not matter what you have lost. It doesn't. I pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. God who located Ruth will locate you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Brother, God will locate you. It does not matter what you have lost. It does not matter what disadvantage you are carrying. It does not matter what tribe you are from. It does not matter your ethnic group. It does not matter your surname. It does not matter the accident that you have had. In the name of Jesus, a, a custom-made miracle will come your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, a miracle meant for you alone will come your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, a strange door that will bring strange unprecedented blessings we come to you we open before you in the name of Jesus Christ 
Ruth must have thought it was over. No, it was not over for her. If you go to the book of Ruth, I don't have enough time to go through all the scriptures I have today. If you go to the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 22, the Bible says God planted her in the genealogy of David. Of course, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's how much God can turn things around. The person who was not supposed to enter Israel became a great-grandmother of David. How better can it get? I decree and declare concerning your life. There shall be a divine waiver in the name of Jesus Christ. Divine waiver for you. Divine waiver. Have you heard where they went to bring a prisoner and made him prime minister? God did it for Joseph. In a strange land. I'm not even sure he has residence permit or work permit. In a strange land, they went to bring him right from prison and made him a prime minister. Same day. What can this God not do? What can't you do, O Lord? I know they have told you, you are disadvantaged. This cannot work. There is no way we can justify it. Yes, they are right. There is no way they can justify it. But when he who can justify all things, the Bible says he made all things for his pleasure. He will create your own chance in the name of Jesus Christ. They may not know that there is another way. He can make a way. Yes, he can. Even though the way through which he brought Ruth to to Israel and and, and shrank up right in the genealogy of Jesus was through calamity. Every calamity you have suffered from this moment will begin to work for your good. In the name of Jesus Christ, everything you have lost that seems to have disqualified you from privileges in the future, I pray in the name of Jesus, may the Lord orchestrate those calamities to work for your miracle. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is not over for you. There is something called divine waiver. It was triggered in the case of Daniel. It was triggered in the case of Ruth. May it be triggered in your case in the name of Jesus Christ. One more example before we close today. Rahab. You know, in the case of Daniel, he didn't do anything. They put him there. In the case of Ruth, she didn't do anything. Life put her there. There are times, some of us, we are the ones that put ourselves where we are. But even in that case, Divine waiver can still apply by the sovereignty of God. Rahab was a hustler. She was a prostitute. Prostitute. A harlot. Let's go to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. The Bible said that, you know, they had sent spies to go look out the, the city of Jericho to check, you know, what strategy do we need to u- use to conquer this land? Go and check the terrain. What's the topography like? What's their weather? When does the sun rise? You know, where does it go down? You know, what are the kind of people there? What are their vulnerabilities? When do they open the gate? When do they close it? You know, how many soldiers are on duty when they are guarding the city? You know, those kind of vital military intelligence. So they sent out spies to go and get the story. If you go to verse... Um, okay, let me we'll start from verse 1. Joshua chapter 2. The Bible says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, 
view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. I don't like this verse. I don't like it. So these guys, <laughs> Lord help me. These guys were sent by Joshua, the commander that took over from Moses. So while this was a military uh, exercise, we know that the real commander of this army is God. Hmm? So God is the real commander of this army. And he sent two spies, two soldiers, through their general, Joshua, to go spy a land. And of all places in the land, of all places, they could not find anywhere to stay. The Bible said they lodged in the house of a harlot named Rahab. Brethren, okay, I won't say anything. Let me let me just continue reading. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come down tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. We know the rest of the story. She hid them. She diverted the attention of the, the soldiers of Jericho that came to the house to make an inquiry, you know, to search the house. She diverted them somewhere else so that she could buy time and strike a deal, a deal with, with the two spies and say, guys, you, you need to protect me at my father's house and all that. And I'm amazed. God, why did you save this woman? This woman is not only living in Jericho, a city that you have marked for destruction. It was God's plan to destroy Jericho. To kill everybody there, to clear the place, to level it down. In fact, their wall did not crumble. It sank. It was that serious. It was in the agenda of heaven. God had to send the commander of the angels. He sent him. He said, go, give this man instruction. Give Joshua instruction. What to do to make this place sink? So God was interested in destroying Jericho. It has been decreed in heaven. Jericho must fall. Yes. God decided to save somebody. Okay, fine. God wants to save somebody. God save the king. You know, God save the queen. Whatever. I would expect God will save a more noble person. A more serious person? No. And this is why God beats me. Any day, any time. His ways are unsearchable. He is sovereign. He does what he wills. God save this hustler. This rose girl. This prostitute. This club girl. God saved her. Divine waiver. What else can I say? How else do you describe it? If you read verse 14 of the same scripture, it was not only her that was saved, her entire household. They even gave her opportunity. Go and bring your family, bring your loved ones. I didn't know that prostitutes still had family. Bring your sisters, bring your parents, even though they know that you are doing wrongs. Bring everybody, put under your roof, and drop a flag, drop a scarf of scarlet, of blood. Meaning that you have identified with the people who carry the blood of the Lamb. And you will be saved. 
The Bible says in verse 14, So the men answered that, Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. So she led them down a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, Go, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless, when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so shall it be that whoever goes outside of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his head and will be guiltless. You know, and they mention all that. And I'm wondering, God, how come divinely you saved Rahab and her entire household even though you are determined to crush this country? Even though she should qualify because of her profession, she was a prostitute. A prostitute. And God, you saved her. Bible says, God, who is rich in mercy? Rich in mercy. And he was going to do something to her. At the end, she ended up in the Hall of Fame. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, you will see Rahab's name there. And some, some apostles' name did not even enter. Father, your ways are unsearchable. God of divine waivers, your ways are unsearchable. Many pastors, they wish their name will enter this place. Prophets, senior apostles, their name did not enter. Bible says in verse 30, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were sacred for seven days. 31. He said, by faith, the harlot Rahab, the harlot Rahab, did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Say, and what more shall I say? Time will fail me. Even right now, time fails me to talk more about divine waiver examples in scriptures. But what we have seen here today is that it does not matter what condition put us on the wrong side of policy on the wrong side of life where we should have no reason to have hope where it will be fair and reasonable to conclude that it's over yet that there's something called divine waiver that can overrule it that can override it whether they put us there by act of wickedness or life put us there just because this is the nature of life or we put ourselves there by reason of our own decisions our own wayward behaviors God who is rich in mercy can still intervene for many of us in real category maybe you have done something that you shouldn't have done you have had abortions your womb is damaged you are saying, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. It's over. It's my fault. I did it. I did it. They warned me. I didn't listen. I did it. Now, this womb is gone. 
I don't have any reason to hope to have my own children. Biological children, that is. It's true. I don't know what you've done. You know it. And you agree that it's wrong. No problem. But God, who is rich in mercy, can still waive anything he chooses. Not because you qualify, but because that's who he is. You have done the unimaginable. And that has given you reason to conclude that truly it is over. I have fumbled. I have taken something it has spoiled my liver. They say I have weeks. I have done something. I have gone to do ritual money. I have gone to pledge my soul to the devil. And you are listening to this message and say, maybe this message is meant for Christians, people who follow God. It is true. I know maybe you don't follow. Maybe you have a right to think that way. But if you will come to Jesus today, if you will come to Jesus today, that story can change. That story can change. God who grants divine waivers in His mercy, by His sovereignty, as He wills, He may choose to have mercy. I pray that whatever the situation may be, they put you there, life put you there, you put you there. I pray that your case will merit divine waiver today in the name of Jesus and that there will be a divine turnaround in that situation in the name of Jesus. Every declaration that has gone out bear this message to you. May it find root and find fulfillment in your life. In the name of Jesus, may you have a testimony of a turnaround in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. God bless you. I trust that indeed these words will take root in your heart. Take it to heart. If I were you, I will listen to this again. I will find a way to lay my hands on this message and listen again. Not just listen. And pray as I listen. Trust in God for a divine turnaround. For a divine river. Knowing that indeed it is not over. Next week, join us again as we conclude this series. It is not over until you win. God bless you. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dauda Street off Eric Mosso Lagos. God bless you.